Welcome to episode two of the Dreamcast, a podcast created by the students of the Otis Music Camp in Macon, Georgia. Each episode of the Dreamcast will feature stories and conversations with exceptional artists from our hometown of Macon, Georgia and around the world. This week, the podcast team interviews Alaz and DK OMX on the heels of their collaborative release, A Whole Nother World. The pair first met as coach and camper at the Otis Music Camp in Macon, Georgia, the annual music songwriters camp hosted by the Otis Reading Foundation. In this episode, we will explore how the duo evolved from a student-teacher dynamic to creative collaborators, using their music as a catalyst for a global conversation to find solutions for challenges we face in our community. My name is DK OMX. It stands for DK Over Music. Um, 17 years old, go to Mountain Cells Academy. I've uh, been doing music for about three years now, and I've uh, been DJing for about three years too, so, yep. And DK, how would you describe your music? Um, I have uh, a right away like array of uh different music. So like I have conscious music, and then um I do a little of like trap too, and then I do um I sing also. So I also have you know heartfelt songs too. So I try to uh be as versatile as possible. When you say conscious music, do you mean what do you mean? Um, I talk a lot about uh black issues in the community. Yeah about um introspective stuff about my life and how uh i've grown as a person and um how i can help people uh that haven't gone through the same experiences as me you've been you've been a camp at the otis music camp for how long i think about four four or five years something like that yeah what what made you first hear about it or how did you first find out about it um my play cousin cj and um amaya and kim and all them i saw them perform Perform, and I saw my friend Chris. I know you right there, Chris. I saw him and uh, Hayden perform, and um, I was like, "Oh, dang, this kind of tough." Like people on sax, you got uh, people doing band and chorus, and then and individual music in the rap room. I was like, "Wow, this is something I really, really want to be a part of." Because like when I first started rapping, it was like uh, I would listen to Outkast and um, Goody Mob. That's kind of who put me on to like Drake and J. Cole and all that stuff. And we would be rapping at like church camp and it was never really focused on the music. You know, it was always, uh, you know, it was it was very um, unprofessional. So I was always like, oh, there's something I can do. There's something that passes the time or whatever. But when I saw Otis Music Camp, I was like, wow, they focus, they know what they want. And so I came to the camp and the rest is history with that, so yeah. And the camp really had a big part of me pursuing music uh, in terms of like um, getting involved with BMI and putting stuff on all platforms. Cause like, I didn't really even know about all this. I didn't really know you can make money like that for music. So the camp really taught me a lot about that. Once DK started attending Otis Music Camp, he met his coach and future collaborator, Vincent Muhammad, AKA Alaz. We asked Vincent about how he got involved with the Otis Music Camp. My name is Vincent Muhammad also known as Allah's. Allah's means I belong to God. It also means all love, always. I know you do a lot with the Otis Redding Foundation now with the camp. How did you meet Ms. Carla and how did you start working with the Otis Redding Foundation? First of all, that's a great question, Jocelyn. Um, you know, I met the, um, I was introduced to the Otis Redding Foundation just because, you know what I mean, I'm, I'm from Macon. So like, Growing up, you always heard about Otis Redding, you know what I mean? Like, 
everybody was hyped, like, yo, man, sitting on the dock of the bay, you know what I mean? Like, man, them big things, you know, going all around the world, trying to get it like Otis Redding. And uh, so you would see um, 03 around, you know, Otis the Third. We would see Dexter, you know what I mean? Um, and, you know what I mean? We see Mama Carla around. And I remember I was doing the Real Talk Hip Hop Summit and I was looking for sponsors. And um, I remember the first time I came downtown and I would literally like just pull up on people, you know what I'm saying? Like knock on the door, you know what I mean? It's just like, hey, you got this hip hop summit. You know what I'm saying? We want people to get involved, you know, this and that. And I went, I was like, man, it's only right that I pull up on the Otis Reddit Foundation. You know what I mean? So I had never met anybody, you know what I mean, personally at the Otis Reddit Foundation. I just knew that I admired them and uh, that I, I felt like we could help each other. You know what I mean? So knocked on the door, you know, came in and they were super like, you know, loving and accepting. They were like, you know, Hey, you know, come on in, you know what I'm saying? Good to see you. Yeah, we'll take your proposal, you know what I'm saying, this and that. And uh, from there, that's kind of how the relationship started. Uh, our families have been, um, you know, in connection. My grandmother taught Ms. Zelma uh, when she was in school. So my grandmother was Leontine Espy, and uh, she's a legendary educator in Macon Bibb County. And um, she was principal at Central High School, um, and I mean, just, and my grandfather too, George Espy Jr. taught at Mercer. So they were both like legendary educators. So Ms. Zelma already knew my family, my pops, uh, George Muhammad, um, already knew Mama Carla and the, the Reddings. Uh, cause I think for a little time they went to Northeast. So when they went to Northeast, my dad was at Northeast. And, um, so the families already knew each other, but I ain't really know nobody like that. So, you know what I'm saying? Like when I walked in, uh, that was my first introduction. Shortly after walking into the Otis Redding Foundation office to introduce himself, Vincent got another chance to make an impression on the Redding family when he sat in with Parliament Funkadelic at a show in Macon and caught the ear of Otis Redding III. And I remember it was the, uh, swing down, sweet cherry, stop and let me ride. Like, and the little horn line, a little, so like uh, I'm probably butchering it right now, but uh, they was playing it great, and I had my horn, and Farnell was looking to the side. He's like, "Yo, man, you need to come sit in with us." And I was like, "Is that legal? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, can I do that right now? You know what I'm saying?" And he was like, "Hey, man, come on, sit in with us." I was like, "Bet, like, if you said it's cool, I'm coming and sit in." So I go to sit in, and then Bootsy pointed me like, "Come on, baby," and I'm like, "You know what I'm saying? What you mean? You know what I mean?" And like, he like, nah, come out here and play. And he puts the microphone in my horn and was just like, play, baby. You know what I'm saying? Like, and he just, I, I just started playing. I don't know what I was playing. I was praying it was in the right key. And that used to always happen. Learn your keys. Learn your keys. Because like, when they ask you to play, you got, there ain't no time to sit down and be like, yo, man, what key we in? You just got to play. So um, I played. People seemed like they liked it. And uh, like the crowd went off, and um, next thing I know, Otis the third was in the uh, audience. He was talking to my dad. He was like, "Yo, man." He was like, yeah, "Your son doing some good things, man. Doing some good things. Like we got to get him down to, f to the foundation." I was like, "Bet," you know what I'm saying? And that was the first year uh, that I came to the camp as a coach.
And I had known some of the coaches before, some of the hip hop coaches before. So I linked up with Flacco and we co uh, were the two coaches for the, the world famous rap room. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And uh, that's how it all started, man. And from there, it's been love ever since. Dreamcast correspondent Christopher Timothy asked how the collaboration between Alaz and DK OMX came about. Uh, hey, Vincent. How you doing, man? I'm focused and blessed, young Chris. How always, you doing? Always. Good, good. Uh, so I know you have a single with DK called A Whole Nother World. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about how that came about? Yeah, man. So um, A Whole Nother World is based off of, well, first of all, I got to say this, man, because a lot of times people come up with these ideas and they'd be like, you know what I'm saying? Oh, this guy's a genius. You know what I'm saying? I am that. You know what I'm saying? DK is that. You know, however, uh, genius also is is something that is encouraged a lot of times. And I have to give honor to his parents, Dr. Kevin and Dr. Shamita Williams. Because they actually introduced both of us to a book by Ta-Nehisi Coates, mainly uh, DK's father, uh, Dr. Kevin Williams, introduced us to a book that um, was by Ta-Nehisi Coates. Ta-Nehisi Coates is a Howard graduate. Um, I'm sure he did some uh, post undergrad work, uh, but I'm most familiar with his time at Howard University, and he did a book called between the world and me. And this book gained critical acclaim, New York Times bestseller. Uh Oprah put that thing on the uh on on the no she I think she put his his second book on her list. Um but this book Between the World and Me was dealing with his journey as a black man in America and it was a conversation with his son, his 15 year old son about just what it means to be a black man in America, navigating that and the importance of and also making it real, because a lot of times we see these things, whether it be Maude Aubrey, Trayvon Martin, um, all of these at Breonna Taylor, uh, Sandra Bland. We see all of these different um, instances that happen and tragedies that happen and we get desensitized to them, we'll brush them off. However, what Ta-Nehisi did so beautifully was he made it real because he kept going back to the part that this is about the body. This is happening to somebody's body. And throughout the book, that's a common theme. And he's having this conversation with his 15-year-old son in the style of James Baldwin's A Fire Next Time. Um, James Baldwin used the language and uh, really at his time was having a similar conversation, I believe, with uh, his nephew. And this book just was like the language that was in it and the the uh, the fearlessness and the courage that he used was something that was incredible because even with the Otis Redding Foundation in reading the book, uh, what's this joint? I'm still like, I still got to get through this joint. Like I'm, I'm about like that much through, but this is uh, the book that is available in the Otis Redding Foundation, uh, An Unfinished Life. That's by uh, Jonathan, I think it's good. And um, in reading the book, I didn't realize he was the same age as Emmett Till. You know what I mean? Like, and for anybody that doesn't know about Emmett Till, like, you know, he was a young man that was brutally murdered 
um, for whistling, allegedly whistling at a white woman. So that in the 40s, I believe, um, and I think I, I, I don't want to get it wrong, like the uh, the year that that happened, but him being the same age as Otis Redding and then this still happening in 2020, you know what I mean? Like for a whole nother world, that was about there's a whole nother world that exists in between me as a black man and what people think the American dream is and just what society is as a whole. You know, there's there's a double standard, there's a different set of circumstances, and it's like that for a lot of people, you know what I mean? Uh, different segments of the population, but focusing on, um, you know, a black man in America, that's, that's my, you know what I mean? That's who I am. So it, it made a, it hit me a different way. It hit DK a different way as a 17 year old now. But at the time, I think he was 15 at the time or 16 at the time that he was reading a book and we created the, uh, the hook, you know what I mean? Uh, between the world and me, it's a whole nother world I see and I'm seeing it was made for me. What they aim for me, so life it ain't a game to me. Every man ain't what he claim to be. Between the world and me, it's a whole nother world I see. I think it's time for the world to see. It ain't the same for me. It's a shame, but the change I see is the change that I aim to be. Between the world and me. Boys in the hood seeing dead bodies. Cold world, we need coats. That's on Tanahasi. Booker James, present day. This is that, man. So even though we may be seeing these things, it is not the government's responsibility. It is not, you know, uh, our parents' responsibility. Everybody has a role to play, so they take their responsibility. However, we as people that are living in this condition have to take a responsibility, change with our words, with our actions, the world that is between us and the world that is supposed to be for us. And that joint dope, you know what I'm saying? That joint bumping, you know what I'm saying? We got the 808 in there, you know what I'm saying? So for your daddies and your sons too, this is Sun to get through. Them dark valleys on them dark. Uh, what made you want to do a feature with Vincent? So, um, I think the main thing, uh, is Vincent is like, he really inspired me to, uh, put music out there. Because, uh, as I said, like, before camp, I didn't even know. That was like really a thing that normal like independent people could do. So seeing him in his independence and uh, not having a label and doing that really inspired me to do that. In terms of doing a feature with him, um, we went to a uh, a uh, I think it was a panel with Shanti Doss, and she was talking about suicide prevention and um, silence of shame. And um, my dad actually knew her when she was uh, when she used to live in Atlanta. Cause she worked for some uh, music label, but um, me, her, and Vince had a conversation, and we just came together. Uh, we came together with a song um, for that, and it led to another song, uh, which is a whole nother world. Um, with uh, it was uh, in um, in New York, there was a book signing. Uh, there was a book thing that happened. Uh, and basically what happened is there was a, uh, a book adaptation that was brought to New York. And um, after watching the book adaptation, it had common in it. It had black thought. And we was like, dang, we could actually make a song off of this too. So after piggybacking off of uh, Silence of Shame, we decided to um, get involved with the, the book, A Whole Nother World. So that's where those two features came from. But yeah.
K on one met. Yeah. What's that dynamic like working with someone who has inspired you and in essence has mentored you as a coach and as an educator? What's that dynamic like going from, you know, the teacher mentor dynamic to co-collaborators? Um, it's super cool. I remember like when we made um, Silence is a Shame, I was like 15. So I was like, you know, I was I was still kind of young. I didn't really know that much about, uh, I had been in camp for about two years, I think. So um, it was cool. Like I would, I would make up a verse and then he'd be like, hey, bruh, go a little harder. And then uh, like it just kept going like that. So we got something that um, we both really like. And then on this last song, he didn't even really have to tell me that. He was just like, it's cool, like seeing the growth um, as an artist for me and him as a mentor. It's like, um, I just came up with something. He's like, yeah, that's hard. And so, so it's cool um, working with somebody like that. The respect between DK and Vincent is definitely mutual, as we found out when we asked Vincent to talk about DK as an artist and a person. DK OMX, DK over music, Dakari Williams. This young man right here is a legend in the making. No pun intended. Actually, pun intended. He's a legend in the making. In making. And I say this not like on some, you know what I mean? Uh, like this is not hyperbole. Anybody that knows the Otis Redding Foundation, you know, we were, we were talking about it a little bit earlier, has a great program, phenomenal program, life-changing program. However, one of the greatest things about the Otis Redding Foundation and the thing that they do that's so great is they pull in the right people you know and because you only have so much space you know what i mean so you have to be very intentional with just you know how we're reaching out you know what i mean and of course we reach out to the world however when it comes to the teachers that are uh that are here it is intentional the type of heart that the teacher has the type of uh skill set that the teacher has the coach and, you know, that within itself is different, teach versus coach, because we're coaching. We're not just um, doing everything for them. We help facilitate. Definitely, we help facilitate. However, we're coaching to make sure that you can play on the field by yourself. You know what I mean? Um, so with the students, these students are star human beings. You know, we got Jocelyn, Hayden, Chris, you know what I mean, that are leading a podcast right now like you know you, you got to really kind of put that into context it's some people that they age that still sleep you know what i'm saying wiping wiping the drool off their mouth right now you know what i'm saying but they leading a podcast you feel me for max i call them young greatness and i don't call them young greatness because i'm trying to hype this man up i call this man young greatness because he's young greatness this man is an athlete Baseball athlete, this man is an actor, a thespian, you know what I mean? This man is a producer, you feel me? This man is a DJ. This man just got finished DJing with Greg Street, man. Like, anybody don't know Greg Street, Greg Street is the man. 
You know what I mean? And for this man at 17 years old to be DJing with Greg Street, this man that opened for Babyface and SWV and Teddy Riley, you know what I'm saying? This man, like, uh, is, is young greatness. And on top of that, he's a young hot spitter. You know what I'm saying? The world famous rap room, you know what I mean? Like, you, you could, you could say he wanted the OGs. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, cause he getting ready to age out. You know what I'm saying? Getting ready to go ahead and graduate. So he's definitely put in a lot of leadership, you know, not even on some, like, I'm trying to lead, like, just by example, just by making sure that he brings quality to the, the table. So, you know, as much as I've learned from DK, or as much as he's learned from me, I've learned from DK and all of the students at the Otis Redding Foundation. It's definitely a two-way street when it comes to education. Vincent emphasizes to all his students that they are never too young to act like professionals. There's no age limit on action, you know what I'm saying? So like, make that thing happen, you know what I mean? So um, I, I'm proud of everybody. I just encourage everybody to make it real. Everybody doesn't necessarily have to be an artist. If you don't want to be an artist, you don't need to be an artist. But if you want to be, and if you choose to be, then get to it. You know, don't just do it in make-believe land. Go ahead and invest in yourself. Break some bread, you know what I mean, to make some stuff happen. Collaborate with people, you know, reach out. And do it on a large scale. Don't just feel like you got to do it in your city. Start in your city, but this world is yours. So reach out to people in the world. Folks be acting like, you know what I'm saying, that was camp. You know what I'm saying? Like, why y'all be going so hard for camp, man? Look, fam, don't work with nobody you don't like. Don't work with nobody that you ain't serious about doing this thing with. You know what I'm saying? If you over here like, man, I'm going to kind of practice like I want to play. And then when I get on the field, that's when I'm going to turn up. Nah, fam, you on the field. You feel me? Like, life is the field. So you got to practice how you want to play. And I, I look at the Otis Redding camp, man, like I'm working with superstars because I am. Since both DK and Vincent both grew up in Macon, we asked them how the city influenced their artistic development. You got a lot of people that came out of Macon, but um, it's super slept on. So I think my main thing is, like, I'm super hungry. Like, you see Atlanta, every, everything's happening in Atlanta. Of course, I got connections in Atlanta, but I want to put Macon on the map. I want people to be like, yeah, Macon's the next Atlanta. Macon is something different. Like, you know what I'm saying? So that's really, um, and it's, you know, it's made my style to where I take stuff from Atlanta. I take uh, big people from Macon and, you know, just put it all together. And I think we we have our own style. So, yeah. Specifically, how is Vincent's, how is his style affected yours are there are there actual like things that you've you've modeled yourself based on his rapping or his music i know he has such a distinctive style is there something you specifically modeled after him well i would say like um we're very similar in some terms like uh where we get some of our influences from like when i was about 15 was when chance the rapper was really popping and um yeah, that was a really big inspiration to me. So seeing him being independent and seeing how he could go as far as he went, not to say that I wouldn't sign or anything, but um, what him and Vince really taught me was sign when it's right. Like, don't just sign a deal to say, I signed a deal, I got the money. Like, uh, your royalties are super important. So that's something they both taught me. Um, just owning your music, your own music. And uh, yeah, so... 
Also, like, uh, Vince is a very conscious rapper, too. He took, like, every song that you hear from him has a message. And I, I wouldn't say that I'm I'm that kind of rapper, too, because I, uh, I do, you know, I do fun songs, like Keep Talking, my last single that came out. It was just something we whipped up, you know, had a hard beat or whatever. But um, my main message needs to be something that makes you think, something that um, comes from the heart, something that... Uh, helps my people go for it helps the whole world go for it so i think that's a that's a big influence that both of them had on me towards the end of our conversation vincent brought us back to the lasting influence of otis redding i i gotta say this so otis redding means a lot to me as a human being as a person and as an artist as an entrepreneur and I got a chance to go to California, right? I was living in California for two years. And my main goal when I was going to California was to be a better person, a better servant of God, a better artist, and a better servant of the community. Um, I was able to start a group or a platform called the Cool Lab Project that is about cool collaborations through music that I started with a band called Apollo Bebop. And, um, we now have a location in Macon as well. The location in California, Santa Ana, California. Shout out to the 714 at the 4th Street Market. And now it's Brookhaven Lounge in Macon, Georgia. I met a band called the New Hippies at um, the Cool Lab Project. And when I hit some rocky times in California, I decided to go full force in music. And literally, a guy named Joe Picard, and understanding digs, literally got in a car. Anybody that knows California, it's like a country, it's like a huge state. So we're literally in Southern California. They lived in Alhambra at the time, Pasadena, um, California, close to Pasadena, California. And we literally drove seven hours. I told him, I wanna do this tribute to Otis Redding. And I wrote this joint while I was in a room, um, I mean like, I went through some times in California where I was homeless. Like I didn't have anywhere to stay, you know what I mean? Like I was going to different places and I rented a lockout. Um, and it was literally like just a place where you were supposed to put a studio, but I didn't have money for like a studio. So I was just renting it as a room, which I really wasn't supposed to do. But, you know, we were gonna make it happen. And I wrote a song in that room that was about Otis Redding's journey because being in California, that's all I could think about. Like, you know, man, Otis Redding came to California. He, you know what I mean, was doing doing stuff out here. So when I was going to California, I was like, man, my whole goal is to make myself a resource where I can be able to serve the, my community in Macon. You know what I mean? Like to be like an Otis Redding, to be able to not have to worry about people shutting. I was part of a school that they shut down. And you know what I mean? Like I didn't have to worry about not getting resources to the community because I could bring the resources myself. So as a coach, as a, as a, um, you know, uh, a producer or artist, there's no middleman between the knowledge that I'm giving to the students. I don't have to go through no politics. I can just give it to them and becoming a better resource. So, I'm writing this song about Otis Redding, but I'm like, okay, he was in California, but where was he? And I realized when he said sitting, uh, sitting on the dock of the bay, I used to think the bay was the Altmuggy River. I'm thinking he's sitting in Macon 
you know what I'm saying, writing this song. And they told me that, no, he was in Northern California. So the Bay is San Francisco, Oakland. I'm like, okay, he did San Francisco. What if I do Oakland's perspective as an MC? So we literally got in the car, told him about the idea. It's like, yeah, let's do it. Let's go shoot the video. You know what I'm saying? It's called the other side of the bay. Protect the hood like some neighborhood Navy SEAL. Say ain't nothing wrong with a little bump and grind. But it's a problem when we want a little peace of mind. But this is like a birthday. It's a new age. New textbook. About to write a new page. I'm in Oakland feeling like Otis. About to play the songs that our whole world noticed. We got in the car, rolled up seven hours to Oakland. Did this all in one day. Went up to Oakland seven hours, got there, and I'm researching the story because I want to make sure the facts are right. And we go to, um, we go to, I'm calling Mama Carla to see, yo, which story is the right one? And she said it was in Sausalito on a boathouse because I, I read it was a boathouse in Sausalito where he wrote the song. So I'm like, oh, we got to go to Sausalito. We meet up with the videographer. His name is Griffin Cabis. And Griffin, after I tell him it's in Sausalito, he was like, oh, my parents live in a boathouse on Sausalito. I'm like, gee, stop playing. Like, nah, like they, they live in a boathouse in, in Sausalito. I was like, what? So we go to Sausalito. I'm saying it's the doc when he wrote it. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's what I believe in my heart. You know what I mean? Like, we literally shoot the first scene on a dock in a boathouse. Um, in Sausalito, then we go to Oakland, we go to West Oakland, uh, to the Panther mural and, you know, all of that to finish it up. And that was one of the most fulfilling points in my life to be able to, as an independent artist, create a piece of music that paid homage to somebody who laid the foundation for us as artists in making, but soul music worldwide. So, you know, when, like I said, the book is called An Unfinished Life. And at the end of the song, you know, we went, um, he was whistling because he was, um, uh, holding space. And it ended up being, you know, I wanted to put some words to it. And it was Otis Redding, you live forever. You live forever in all you've touched. Because even though his physical life may not be here and his life may have been unfinished, we are the ones as people that know his legacy, as students, as coaches, are the ones that can finish that life and build on that life and continue to take it into infinity. So I definitely had to share that. You know what I mean? Like there's no other place I want to have an exclusive on that story. I'm probably going to tell that story in a lot of places, but I definitely wanted to make sure that I, I said that, you know, for the dream, the dream cash, you know what I'm saying? Like make sure that I shared that. At the end of our interview, we asked DK about his future plans. Where do you see yourself in five years, or I don't know if you're thinking about that? Um, actually, yeah, me and Vince, uh, we do the same before uh, we sit down for every lesson. And he's, he says, uh, what year is it? And I say 2025. And then um, he says, where are we at? And I say DK Studios. So, like, that's the whole goal. Like, we just uh, manifested, which is want to have my own studios, like um, like a chain of studios. And um, yeah, I just want to be able to travel the world, do music, make money from it. So yeah, that's my main goal is being able to um, 
make as much money as I can to support my family with the music. Hey, DK. So, uh, I know you got an EP coming out soon, so why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about that? Yes, yeah, so my first mixtape is dropping in September. It's called Wait Till Sunday, and basically um, the main precedence behind it and the whole reason I made it was because, uh, as you can see, it's been a long time coming for uh, this music thing, which I'm doing now. So um, Wait Until Sunday, the whole thing behind it is you have to wait for your accomplishments. To me, Sunday is the last day of the week. Um, God rested on Sunday. So I want to do all this work right now. And on Sunday, I want to rest. So the album's called Wait Till Sunday. Um, you wait the whole album in the last track. It's called Sunday. So yeah. I mean, that's pretty much it. Got the mixtape coming in September. Silence to Shame, which I made around 15 with Vince. That's coming in September too, hopefully. Um, we tried to drop it this month for Suicide uh, Prevention Awareness Month, I'm pretty sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, that should be coming in September too. So both of those projects and then keep talking is on all platforms. A whole nother world is on all platforms. And, um, yeah, just go listen to it. I got something to say. Make it has something to say. Between the world and me, it's a whole nother world I see. And I'm seeing it was made for me. Thank you for listening to episode two of the Dreamcast. The Otis Redding Foundation would like to thank the following people and organizations for their continuous support. The Otis Redding Estate, the Otis Redding Foundation, the Knight Foundation, Georgia Council for the Arts, the Community Foundation of Central Georgia, the United Way of Central Georgia. The Dreamcast is produced by Jamie Alilaw and Matt Miller with student journalists Gina Branch, Christopher Timothy, Hayden Nichols, and Jocelyn Rowley. Our theme music was composed and performed by Zach Wilson. This episode also featured the singles Keep Talking in a Whole Nother World by DK LMX and The Other Side of the Bay by Vincent Alaj Mohammed. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star rating wherever you get your podcast. Stay tuned for more episodes of the Dreamcast.